Hi everybody, Mike Wardrop from Encounter Church here and thanks so much for tuning into our podcast. Our prayer is that through this podcast, you could have an encounter with Jesus that will change your life. And now get ready for an inspiring message from our teaching team. God's plan for you is to be in healthy community. Can I tell you that? A healthy, consistent, life-giving community where you receive and you give. You receive and you give. It's never just a one-way street with God. He's saying, I want you here and I absolutely want you to receive what I have for you. But I also want you to give. And the community that God has for you is called the church. Now, the church, just let me give the 101 vanilla stuff. Most of you in this room will know this. The church is not a building. We actually meet, I found out this week that this was originally the, the Catholic church that the, school, that the school's parish met at when they began to meet. And they don't really meet here anymore. They meet on the gargantuan church up on Barker Road where we live. And so this is a space now where we worship. So we are standing in the shoes of people that worship Jesus here before us. But the church isn't about a building. It's about a people. And it's also not necessarily about Sunday. You don't have to gather on Sunday for it to be church. It's just that throughout more recent history, particularly over here in the West, we have met on Sunday and we've gathered together in a particular building and it's usually had a particular kind of architecture and we've called that the church. Now, the early church didn't do that, of course. The early church that we hear instituted by Jesus and forming a meeting in Acts chapter 2, they didn't meet once a week on a Sunday. They met every day. And they didn't just like, okay, like quick Let me just get this off my chest. One of the things that often happens when you're in your early 20s, and I want to prepare you if you haven't had this moment yet, is you go through this thing. If you grew up in the church, you're like, why can't I just be like the early church, you know, where we gather around tables and break bread? And it's very idealistic. And it's also not accurate because the early church, read Acts 2.46, where it says, they gathered at the temple every day. They gathered at the temple every day. The early church is more church, not less. More church, not less. I just want to put that out there in case people are like, sounds pretty chill to have a glass of wine and break some bread around the table. Yes, it does. That's not what the early church did. That was one of many, many things they did. Okay, sidebar over. Let's continue. Maybe that spoke to someone tonight or in two years' time. I don't know. But the thing that the early church did incredibly well is they were fully immersed fully immersed. There was no one toe in. And what we have done the other way is we've created this capacity for church to be about consumerism. We've made it so that by coming to church on Sunday at a certain time, you just turn up and you attend and that's it. And we make it really easy to sit back and put your feet up and eat popcorn and just kind of enjoy that. Like we've even made it so you can eat and drink in church now. People don't care. So you really can eat popcorn in here and put your feet up and enjoy the show, so to speak. And we have an incredible worship team. So it is a bit like a show, if that's what you're thinking about. But the purpose of church is not to put on a show. And the purpose of church is not to go to a certain building, and it's not to be there at a certain time. No, the purpose of church is to be the gathered body of God's called out people. In fact, the word we see used for church most often in the New Testament is this Greek word, ecclesia. And ecclesia means the gathering or the called out ones. I love that. They've been called out of what was into what will be because the church is a taste of the coming kingdom of God. And so what I want to give to you, just as a little gift here, is that the church, being part of Encounter Church, if this is where you are, is something to lean into more, not less. 
And I want to actually suggest to you that maybe being here every Sunday is the most powerful countercultural thing you can do at this moment in time. But let's, let's fast forward a little bit. I want, to, I want to jump to the story of 1 Corinthians and the letter that Paul writes there. So Paul is one of the great apostles in the New Testament. He wrote about half the New Testament, and he wrote at least three letters to the Corinthian church. 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, and at least one more that we don't have published, but it's referenced to in the first letter. So we know there was at least one more. And 1 Corinthians is this letter from Paul to this church he planted, although I bet he wished he could disown it, because the Corinthian church was about as wild as you can get. You had people sleeping with their stepmother, people getting hammered during the Lord's Supper at church. Like It was rowdy, really, really rowdy. Please don't do those things, like just in case you're like, oh, wow, you can do that in church? No, you can't. That's why he wrote the letter. Just, there's always one, just in case. So Paul writes this letter like a father to children, and he starts off by saying, to all my people gathered together, the people of God gathered together as a church. And then he goes on and he's like, let me tell you a few things that you are not doing super well. But the Corinthian church is a problem, and it's the same sort of problem we have today. And that is the Corinthian church was infiltrated and twisted by an ancient heresy called Gnosticism. Now, I thought about going into all of what Gnosticism is, and then my wife looked at me, and I went, I will not go into all of what Gnosticism is. So let's just say this. It ends with trying to escape the world, and it's all about you. Doesn't that all sound like anybody's Instagram? I know. Right? Creating an alternate reality to escape to, that's all about us. We have some of the same similarities, except we don't call it Gnosticism, we call it radical individualism. This idea that has wormed its way into the hearts of all of us, whether we realize it or not, and it affects our faith. In fact, individualism is the sort of thing that allows us to sit back in a chair at church and go, I don't know if it's really me. What do you mean? I don't know if it's really you. Now, if you're you're new here, by the way, if you're not someone that calls yourself a follower of Jesus, that's totally fine. Please make sure that this is a place that you feel comfortable in. But for people that already follow Jesus, the called out ones from the old life into the new, from the death into the life, from beyond and into the dark, into the light of Jesus, we're not meant to put our feet up and go, don't know if it's me. We're actually meant to be able to worship in a paper bag. We're meant to be able to worship in a shipping container. We're meant to be able to worship like Paul and Silas in prison. It doesn't matter where we are. It doesn't matter our circumstances, whether we're on top of the mountain or whether the mountain's in our way. God is saying, can you, my followers, worship me and live out the life it means to be part of the church? But when radical individualism gets its way inside of us, we can't because it sneakily becomes all about us. And our lives are kind of all about us. You ever heard anybody say that they're going away, they need some time to find themselves? Like, where, where were they lost? Where were we lost? You ever been in a conversation where you've said something to somebody and like, well, that might be true for you, but it's not for me. What do you mean it might be true for you? Like, do you mean I've experienced that and you've experienced something different? Because if so, say that. But if you're saying, well, there is a truth and it's the same truth, but it's different for the two of us, that doesn't make any sense. That is illogical. It can't be. That's not how truth works. You need to choose a different word. But this is how we live in the 21st century. Why? Because we're worming our way into our individual preferences. I had a moment with one of my children today. I would not say which one. And it affected a second child. You know, so you can pick two out of three. Take a guess if you know them. (laughs) 
But they came home and they were very angry about something that the other child had done. And they were explaining it to me. And I was trying to explain to them that the frustration that their mother and I had with them, trying very hard not to use their name here, had nothing to do with the third child, the second child rather, had to do with their behavior. And their response was, well, they bullied me. I was like, hold up. I know what the situation is here. This is what siblings do. You're just getting under each other's skin because you can, because no one knows how to do that better than your sibling, right? Yeah, there are people who that was the word they needed to hear tonight. <laughs> but the language my child used was not, I got in a fight with my sibling and now I'm in trouble, but it should be their fault. They said, oh, I'm being bullied. I'm like, I know this situation. No, you are not. But you're choosing to make this a victim complex because when radical individualism takes hold of our lives, it's not about submitting to what's right and wrong. It's about how I feel and what's true for me. And so if you are in a group of people and somebody comes up to you and they're like, text, I just want to affirm absolutely what you're all about. You are the best. We'll be like, yeah, that's awesome. That's how I feel too. I just, I just want to affirm that. But if, but if somebody comes up and say, says, Josh, I, I just kind of disagree with one thing you said yesterday. Like, it's no big deal, but uh, yeah, can we talk about it? You, you can come against it with a mentality of, I'm being oppressed. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm, I'm a victim here. Like, no, no, you're not. It's just a disagreement. But in radical individualism, it's hard for us to collectively come together under one title. But that's what the church is called to do. And in fact, we're going to have some problems if we can't, because at the end of days, it tells us in Revelation, when we come together, the church will number every tribe and tongue, which means if you're not comfortable with people who don't sound like you and look like you, the church is not for you. Can I just say that? Like, I, I talked about this with my interns this week. I feel like racism is just one of the dumbest things in the world. And if you want to rank them, there's only one type of racism that's the worst, and that's anti-Semitism. It's not worse, it's just dumber, because Jesus was Jewish. So if you're a Christian and you're an anti-Semite, it doesn't make any sense, just so you know. It's not, again, not worse, just dumber. And you can't be racist in the kingdom of God. It doesn't work. Every tribe and tongue gathers together. Jesus brings a way for us all to reach God and then sends the Spirit of God out into the world. We are only here because of Jesus' openness to all of us. How good is that? Corinthian church. Let's get back to it. All these things they did, going this way and that, doing whatever they wanted, refusing to listen to Paul, who was here to teach them and rebuke them, and is trying to give them wisdom, meant that they were disconnected from God. They were a gifted church. They were a passionate church. But they were disconnected from God because they could not listen to the wisdom and the rebuke of their teacher. Sometimes we need to listen to the wise words of somebody telling us, you're being an idiot. That is definitely a word for some of us here tonight. It's definitely been a word for me over the years. I, I, remember, I remember, again, as a young believer, I was, I was hanging out with a friend of mine, and I was swearing, and he just looked at me. He's like, is that who you are? He's like, what, what do you mean? What do you mean? I can, I can swear if I want to. He's like, I know. But is that who you are as a follower of Jesus? And I, just, I didn't have an answer. I just had to stop and think about it. I'm like, no. No, it's not. But I guess I've got to work this out now. And I did. 
I had to go away and work it out and decide that that's not the person I wanted to be as a follower of Jesus. That's not who God was calling me to be. It was a conviction based on a, a sharp word from a friend who loved me. That's important. Because if we can't hear that, we can't be convicted by God. Can I tell you that if we do church right, you will be offended in love by those around you. Because every time we gather together, I talked how at the start of 1 Corinthians, Paul says, all my church gathered together. There was a sense of unity. But right towards the end in chapter 14, he says something really powerful and beautiful. He says this, 1426, what then shall, shall we say, brothers and sisters? When you come together, each of you has a hymn or a word of instruction a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Everything must be done so that the church can be built up. Paul is saying the power of God is in the people of God. All of you are gifted, and the Corinthians church is like, yeah, we are. It's so gifted. He's like, but it's all got to be done so the church can be built up. And everyone's got a gift. And the Corinthian church would have been like, even the poor people? Yes. Even the poor people. That's not meant to be a joke. This is one of the problems of the Corinthian church. They were separating themselves into rich and poor. They had to understand that every person who is following Jesus, who has the spirit of God in them, who's being called into the presence of God, has a gift that they are bringing. And the church is richer when you bring and use those gifts. That's why we do growth track here. That's why we want you to serve on teams. Not because we need the teams filled. Did you hear these guys? Like, the team's going all right. We want you to use the gifts God's put on your life because when you do that, you will start to feel more deeply connected with God and deeply connected with other people. You ever been on a shared experience with somebody and you'd never met them before and after the shared experience, they're your best friend, right? Like I know, I know Taylor was sharing how she met somebody on, on the plane back from Cambodia, never met her before, and suddenly they're friends because they had this shared experience together on a plane trip and a connection. I climbed Mount Fuji with this Japanese guy. I never met him before. He was by himself. I was by himself. He spoke a bit of English. I was like, climb together. And we just spurred each other on up the mountain, like a literal mountain. How high would I climb mountains? Exactly 3,700 meters in that particular case. <laughs> And we cheered each other on and took selfies up the top. Now, I don't remember this guy's name. This is 15 years ago. But I'll never forget him because of the shared experience we had together. I will never forget that guy. I'll never forget the experience of going through that with him. When you have a shared experience with somebody, it deepens connection. Why do we do life groups? We do life groups because when you gather together in a small group, the way Jesus did with his disciples in a group of 12, you can go deeper than you can at church on a Sunday. Now, in a life group, you're rarely likely to get the breadth of the diversity, the, the, the type of the worship, the type of the teaching that you get in, in, on a Sunday. But when you gather together midweek, you can actually bear each other's burdens. In fact, you can do it deeper again. You can gather in twos or threes. Lee and Tex and I, we gather together every week, and we, we share about our lives. We pray for each other. We challenge each other. We uphold one another as men of God. And this is something we do just to grow more like Jesus. There are all these methods in your life to go deep into community together and to hear from God. But unless you choose to be consistent in them, it won't happen. And it may be that the word you need to hear tonight is simply this, be here every Sunday, not two out of three. Because when you do that, when you're sowing into that, you'll begin to hear from God more. You'll begin to build relationships, and you'll not only hear from God, you will be the voice of God to others. I want to offer you a few quick tips as to how we hear the voice of God through other people. 
and then we may come towards a close. So how do we hear the voice of God through other people? Here's the first one. You've got to be fully in community. Now, I was touching on this already, but what do I mean by that? I mean you need to be present, you need to be consistent, and you need to be vulnerable, okay? So unless you're present, you can't hear. You can't hear what somebody... If, if something has been put on someone's heart to go and talk to you and you're not here, you might miss out. If you're present, you can't hear what God needs you to hear. Unless you're consistent, this will just be a hobby or this will be back to that consumer mentality I talked about before. You won't be hearing from God. Or if you do, it'll just be like going to a movie and going, cool, and then going to the next one. You'll be just about the next fix if all you're doing is coming on a Sunday to hear from God. But if you're coming to connect, to be deep, to be present... And to be consistent, you might actually begin to find that what God tells you is something that is going to pour out again and again and again and again into your life and into the lives of others. And unless you're vulnerable, you won't be able to truly hear God because God can't reach the person you're pretending to be. Now, if you're the sort of person that you're a bit insecure and you feel the need to put up a mask in front of other people, I get that. And let's be honest, we are all that person from time to time. But God is not looking to influence the person you're pretending to be. He wants you wholehearted, vulnerable, real. Soften your heart. Unfold your arms and start to excavate. Yeah, everyone with folded arms is like, I'm being bullied. (laughs) (laughs) Unfold your arms. Let God excavate your heart. Right? God wants to do a work on your heart, and you can't do that unless you just say something simple like, I'm, I'm here. Week in and week out, I'm here, and I want to hear from you. I'm ready. Is that good? Yeah. All right. Second well, second thing. Listen well and listen humbly. Okay? Half the battle isn't that God isn't speaking. It's just that we don't listen. We don't take time to listen. And we've, Josh last week talked about how to listen to God in prayer. What I'm talking about is sometimes we are in conversations with people but we are just waiting our turn to talk, right? We're not actually listening to them. Do you know how much wisdom there is in this room? Do you know how many untapped stories there are? One of the things I feel so bad for when people walk in the first time to church is that they look around, and if they've never been to church before, first of all, there's that bit in the back of their mind like, will I be struck by lightning? No, you won't. You'll be fine. I promise. And then they think to themselves, wow, everyone else here has got it together, and I've just, my life is so messed up. I can promise you that's not the case. But unless you talk to people and hear their stories and learn the journey they've been on and how they've got to where they are, you'll never know. So we've got to be listening humbly and listening well. Can I tell you as well, by the way, it's incredibly difficult for arrogant people to hear from God. Very, very difficult because you don't really want to hear from God. You just want to be affirmed in your own opinions already. And if you're not, you go, oh, well, they're wrong. Can't be God. This is a very dangerous thing. It happens, okay? If you want to hear from God, we have to be open to being wrong. We have to be open to being corrected, open to being repentant and apologetic. And that's really difficult, friends. It's a genuine challenge. But this is what it means to hear from God well, to open ourselves up to go, I might be wrong in the way I've been thinking. I might actually be wrong, and I'm open to being corrected. By the way, you're not going to have a healthy marriage unless you're open to those things as well. Can I tell you? Unless you're open to being wrong, open to being corrected, open to being repentant and apologetic, perhaps on the male side, a little more repentant and apologetic sometimes from time to time as required. This, look, this is a thing that happens. We, I'm just saying. That's right. That's right. 
We need the kind of spirit that says to God, not my will, but yours. We're laying down our preferences before what God's got for us. So the third thing is this. Don't fear the prophetic. I think sometimes we, we do this weird thing as Christians where we want to tell people about Jesus and this God that came in human form and died to take on the sin of the world and then was resurrected from the grave and will come back again to judge the living and the dead in which we will all have a resurrection to take part of. But then we want to go, oh, we don't want to make it weird though. I'm sorry, it's already weird at this point. If you've just explained what I just explained to somebody that doesn't know Jesus, it's already weird. Forget about it. The battle you want to fight is not, is it weird? The battle you want to fight is, can this person connect with God and can I help them? So we don't need to fear the prophetic. Now, that doesn't mean that we in ourselves can't control our own weirdness. That's a different thing. Again, in 1 Corinthians, Paul writes that the spirit of the prophets is subject to the prophets, which means if you, if you come and you're like, I have a prophetic word, and it's blah, 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 and then you say something, and everyone's like, oh, that was unpleasant, and you shouldn't have used those words, and uh, you've offended everybody in this room, and nobody thinks it's from God. Guess what? You're not a prophet, probably, at that point. You're just saying things you want to say. The spirit of the prophets is subject to the prophets. But that aside, when we get weird about the spiritual realm, we miss out on what God's got for us. Big time. Because so often God is wanting to give a word to somebody, a prophetic word that doesn't make sense, but it makes sense when they speak it. I remember praying over a woman once, and I, she just asked for prayer. I didn't know what she was going through. And I had this vision of her holding these two giant eggs and an eagle coming down to attack her. I'm like, well, this is really weird. I would prefer not to say this, but God said, no, no, say it, say it, say it, say it. So I said it, and she starts crying. I was like, oh, I know it was weird. Was it that weird? Like, <laughs> she's like, you don't understand. Tomorrow, I'm going to court to fight for custody of my two sons. And, and their father has been awful. And I, I need God right now. And so that was a vision from God, not for me, but for her. What was my job? Faithfulness. I just had to say it. But I couldn't get too weirded out. Jenny last week had a word from God. Josh spoke. Josh was preaching and it convicted Jenny in her heart to go and tell somebody else that they had a word for somebody else. And they did. That was, that's a four-person prophecy chain, right? And it landed. I'm just saying, you can't just say, let's do Christianity, but without the weird. I get it. I get it. But like, let's keep Christianity weird, okay? Jesus rose from the dead. He conquered the grave. The Holy Spirit is filling us. The presence of God is in us. At some point, we just have to go, yeah, some of this is going to sound weird to people. But come and share a meal around a table while we talk about it. That's how you minimize the weirdness, by showing people your humanity. All right? All right. Number four, sit under wise preaching and teaching. I mean... Now, I, I, I do mean being present at church to hear from the Word of God, partly because I put hours and hours into this. Now, that's not to be affirmed. That's, that's my job. That's my role here, is to unpack and sit with and wrestle with the Word of God and to bring it for you to see if God's saying something to you through that. But I'm not just talking about that. Who are the people in your life you are sitting under and saying, share your wisdom with me? 
Uh, if, if there, for those of the people in this room who are over 40, can I just tell you, we desperately need you in this church. You are so important in this room. I'm not going to look at you because that's awkward, but <laughs> you know who you are. I'm very close to them. We need people over 40 to be sharing their wisdom because young people have passion and enthusiasm and incredible minds and capacity. What they don't have is experience because you can't have that at youth. You can't. What we need is the experience of older people to come alongside younger people, hand in hand, sharing a journey together. That is so important. Who are the people you are sitting under and just saying, hey, just, just share your wisdom with me? Maybe you need a mentor. Maybe you actually need to sit with somebody once a fortnight, once a month, whatever you choose, and just go, can you just sow into me? Just speak words of life and hope and, and meaning and truth into me. I need that from someone like you in this season of my life. Maybe that's you. So sit under wise preaching and teaching. <clears throat> and this is the fifth one. Be open to divine interruptions. Now, the most clear, consistent way you will hear from God through other people, I believe, is being consistently in community with people you trust. That's church on Sundays. That's life group. That's serving. That's, it's that sort of stuff. But... That doesn't mean God doesn't speak out of left field. Sometimes you just need to be open to God speaking to you or you speaking to someone who it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. If you need more of these stories, just go talk to Taryn because I feel like she's starting to just compile these stories in her life. Because Taryn's the sort of person that when God says, do this, she's like, okay. And, and she doesn't necessarily know what it means at that moment, but she's obedient in faith to the godly interruptions. Sometimes God just brings somebody across your desk. I remember once I was running an after-school program at a primary school, just a sports program, and I was the coordinator, not the coach, so I was just doing paperwork. And the coach finishes up, he was doing karate, and he comes and he starts talking to me. And I was like, frankly, I'm kind of an introvert at heart, or at the very least, I'm an only child who wants his own space, because again, radical individualism. And I, I was sort of like, ah, oh, yeah, 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 you were great, all right, see ya. And he just, he just wouldn't leave, and he just kept sticking around. I was like, okay. And he just starts talking, and he just starts talking a bit about his journey. I was like, are you, are you a spiritual person? Would you call yourself spiritual? He's like, funny you should say that. Actually, it was English, so he said, funny you should say that. But and that was not great. <laughs> you win some, you lose some. He said, funny you should say that. I've been on this journey lately of just exploring spirituality. I've never been somebody you'd call spiritual before, but I don't know, there's things happening in my life I can't explain. So we talked a bit longer and we prayed and then he came and I took him to church with me. We sat down with, with our par my pastor in his office and we prayed together. And a couple weeks later, he gave his life to Jesus. And he started serving in the church and becoming a part of the community there. And these things don't happen because I was exceptional. Not at all. I didn't want him to stick around. But what I did do, though, is when I just said, I just listened to that little sense of God going, hey, I'm, I'm trying to do something here. Would you be open to that divine interruption? I want to encourage you tonight. God is trying to divinely interrupt you here. It's not necessarily way out of left field. It actually might be something you know perfectly well. It might be something to do with somebody that you need to fix a relationship with. It might be a parent-child dynamic that you need to get behind and really fix. 
It might be, it might be a relationship you've got to end, some you need to fix, some you need to end. It might be a habit you've got to stop. But I actually think more, more likely than not tonight, God is wanting to do a community work, which means it's, it's not just about am I speaking to you, it's am I speaking to you for somebody else. This is how we hear God through other people. Open hands, a willingness to humbly listen, and then we just sit with it and go, God, what are you saying? What are you saying? Thanks so much for listening. I pray that you were able to hear from God in a fresh way today. We'd love to hear from our listeners. To connect with us or to support the work of Encounter, please jump on our website, encounteradelaide.com.au. And if you enjoyed this podcast, don't forget to jump onto iTunes, Spotify, or your podcast provider and give us a rating and review. Or share this message on your social media accounts and tag us at Encounter Adelaide. God bless. Have an amazing week.